you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Friday, October 20th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest, a 14-year NFL veteran, a Super Bowl champion, and the current leader of the Total Access Game Picks competition with a record of 59 and 34. Actually, make that 60 and 34 because he nailed last night's Jags win. We'll talk about that in a moment. Now, that means he is three and a half games ahead baseball terms, of his TA Game Picks competitor, Mike Yam. Yammer is the chaser. This man is the chased. This man is the chase. Chase Daniel, welcome back, bud. What's going on? 60 wins already. I know, man. Through six weeks. Not too bad, Okay, one game a week. I like it, man. I like it. We got some some moving to do. Everyone talks about moving week for Yam. It's moving week for me. I'm trying to separate myself. There you go. There you go. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. And on today's show, which quarterback does Chase trust more on Sunday night in Philly? The leader of the top-rated NFL offense, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, or the leader of the second-ranked total NFL offense, Jalen Hurts. We'll also get a closer examination from Chase of what makes the Dolphins' offense tick in a segment we call Cut to the Chase. Mr. Daniel will, of course, do the honors there. And we've got a little fantasy advice to offer. Adam Rank will do the honors there. I need some fantasy advice badly, guys, because I've got Garrett Wilson out of action on a bye. DJ Moore, he's out a starting quarterback. Daniel Jones seemingly out of ideas. And Anthony Richardson just plain out. That's my fantasy reality. I'm assuming some of you out there can relate. (laughs) And, of course, it's Friday, and that means one thing is guaranteed. We're getting game picks and score predictions for every remaining Week 7 game. What is not guaranteed is that Chase and Mike will agree or that you will agree with them. But that's what makes it so fun. So let's have a little fun starting with this. Jags are blitzing. They're all coming. They throw to the left corner of the end zone. That ball is incomplete. That ball is incomplete. The Jags take over on downs. That ball is incomplete in the left corner of the end zone. The Jags take over on downs at their own six-yard line. With 21 seconds left in the ball game. Thursday night football from NOLA, the Crescent City, Norlands. Some of you know it as the Big Easy. No one really knows where that nickname comes from. Interesting history there. I'll share that in a bit. But what we do know is that NFL games for Saints opposition are anything but easy to win typically, which may explain why the Saints went into this game favored by two, coming off of a bad loss over a team that had won three straight games. Well, make it four straight. Trevor's going to run out of there. Got all kind of room. 45, 40, 35, 30, 25 along the left sideline. Trevor Lawrence, knee bracing all, got it inside the 25-yard line of the New Orleans Saints. 
I mean, that knee looked just fine to me on that scramble. Okay, Chase, questions about whether Trevor Lawrence would play before the game. He looked good in warm-up. He wore a brace on that knee. He wore it well. The hair apparent did play and looked nimble. He led the Jags in rushing eight carries, 59 yards. His passing numbers were decent, 20 for 29, 204, and a touchdown. Travis Etienne had two touchdowns. By the way, the first Jags player with two-plus touchdowns in three straight games. That's interesting. The best of Travis's dual paint jobs last night undoubtedly his second ETN, he's got the run to 15 10 5 toward the pylon touchdown Travis Etienne scores again and the Jags have extended the lead but it was Jags defense that may deserve the TNF game ball they forced a fumble had a sack and had a pick giving them a league high 16 takeaways on the season but of course that pick not just any old pick Fires in the middle of the field, and that ball is picked off by Foyer Alulican off the deflection to the 15 as he runs it back to the 10, to the 5. Angles for the pylon. Touchdown! Saints do deserve a little love because they were down 15, fought back to tie it on that Taysom Hill keeper, then a brilliant catch from Michael Thomas. Car to throw, going for the end zone, going for Mike Thomas. He makes the catch, and they're saying, touchdown! Saints for Mike Thomas. They then tied it with a two-point conversion, and then, well, Christian Kirk turned four into 44 with a catch-and-run touchdown with just over three minutes to go to give the Jags the lead 31-24. Shotgun, empty backfield for Trevor. Checks it down underneath. That's a crossing route to Christian Kirk. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. Christian Kirk to the goal line. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Saints were three for 18 on third downs, the worst of which was this drop on third and goal with less than 30 seconds to go. Goes for the end zone, and that is incomplete. Right through the hands of Foster Morrow. Got two hands on it in the far corner of the end zone, but could not bring it in. Mr. Morrow was left head in hands on the sidelines. Final score, Jags 31, Saints 24. Chase Daniel, thank you for your patience. Those were the stats and the scores. What's the story? Well, the story to me is Derek Carr on the sideline, on the game, in the game, yelling at all his receivers. That's one of the story's lines to me. And I don't know what he was doing. or I mean, clearly it was frustration. Yes. But I have never seen him act in that uh, way. Nor so, had I. Nor so had any of us. A little out of character. A little out of character. And you can just tell the frustrated frustrations building on that side. I think they went seven quarters without scoring a touchdown yeah. before that fourth quarter eruption of 15 points. And then also, I mean, you got to give the flowers to the Jags too, right? Like they're five and two. And the, what, what's really impressive to me is that they had a four-game stretch, okay? In 19 days, they're 4-0 and in those 19 days. Let's just recap it. Back-to-back games in London, never, ever been done before. You come back, okay, you have the Colts at home on a non-London bye week trip. They don't get a bye. No bye. They play so right into So their bodies it. are still adjusting They're still, to bodies still acclimating to the U.S. Exactly, okay? You win that game, and then— And you won it handily. They look good doing They look it. good, and then you travel on a Wednesday to New Orleans against that stifling defense, and then are able— somehow to pull all four of it off because you played the Bills, the Colts, right? I mean, all these all these games are are tough games to win, but you got to be really really happy if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar right now. You get a long weekend, you're sitting back and say, "Hey, we're 5 and 2. How else can we get better? Let's get healthy mini bye week. Let's go." Uh, so I think I can infer from what you've just shared and listener, the look on Chase Daniel's face right there, he was a light with joy thinking about 
how difficult that must have been to win four NFL games in 19 days. Listener, it's hard to win one NFL game, no matter who you are, no matter who you're playing, no matter where you're playing. So with all of this talk about the Dolphins and about the Eagles, we're going to talk about both in a moment, about the Niners, yes, about the Chiefs, of course, the defending champions, and and the, the upstart, some are calling them Detroit Lions. Are the Jags the best team in the NFL that we are simply not talking about? I mean, I don't, I don't know if – I mean, we're definitely not talking about them, but I don't know if they've reached that level yet. I still want to see a little bit um, more on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, their defense is the story, right? I mean, how many, how many giveaways or takeaways? 16, 16. Seven, 16. I mean, through six games, seven games, that's a ton. Okay, they're sure on a is. pace. They're on a torrid pace right now. And so that, to me, if you can get – I mean, we all knew, at least I did – we all maybe didn't know. We all thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be a really good offense, and then they go and get Calvin Ridley back. Okay, they've expanded their reach on offense. Travis Etienne is six touchdowns the last three games. Unheard of. Okay, so they're making strides offensively. Um, but the biggest surprise to me is their defense and what they're able to do. And, I mean, listen, we we faced it firsthand. And when I say we, the Chargers went down to Jacksonville uh, for Wild Card Weekend, and we experienced it firsthand. Like, look, we – we put some points up on them the first half, and then they like shut us down the second half, and that's sort of how their season went. And Doug Peterson's got these boys playing and playing hard, playing fast, and that's all it needs. We've talked about a lot on this before. This this uh, little nugget is all you need is a little bit of belief, and that belief can turn into an all-time confidence. And when teams are confident in the National Football League, boy, oh, boy, do they ever show it. And, I mean, to put 31 on that type of defense last night on the road, short week, Four games, 19 days was really impressive. Trevor Lawrence showed a little bit of versatility that I think some of us had forgotten that he was capable of. Were you uh, watching through nervous hands, nervous eyes during those first couple of runs and then realized, hey, the kid's just going for it. He feels fine. He ran for 60 yards. Who in their right mind, if you're a betting man, which I'm not, if you're a betting man, who would have taken the over on uh, Trevor Lawrence's rushing yards, which I'm sure was very low. We didn't even think he was going to play right, exactly. the game, but if you are, you probably made a good chunk of change. Yeah, last night. It was impressive. It just almost is like, and I talk about this a lot, you, you just almost go into this mindset as a quarterback, like, hey, look, all right, once you decide to play the game and you're playing, even though you're hurt, like you just go into la-la land almost. You just have to get some mentally tough strength out of your head and out of your body and out of your mind to just do it. And then all of a sudden, the adrenaline takes over and you don't feel it. And boy, he looked faster than ever last night. Yeah, he sure did. That's something that I didn't understand when I'm like, oh, okay, he might not play. Okay, I might want to pick the Saints. But I was like, oh, no, Jags are good enough overall, I think, to win. And then he goes out and rushes for 60 yards. <laughs> I mean, really, in big scrambles, not just no, like first, exactly. second down, some third down scrambles, yes. stuff like that, which to me was really, really cool. Uh, and he had such an aw shucks moment after the game. He stood there and actually used the word golly. He said, golly, that wasn't the plan. We, that wasn't the plan at all. But, you know, once you started, we just couldn't stop. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Derek Carr because you're right. He was visibly frustrated. This is a team that was visibly disjointed. Carr takes the snap. Jacksonville brings four. Incomplete as he threw to the near side. I don't know if Alvin was... Running the wheel or going to stop and go? The, it was running the go. It wasn't even a stop. And that's where you talk about, you know, just being on the same page. And he runs a go and quarterback is throwing it like you're going to run a hitch. He was 33 for 55, 301 yards, had the touchdown and had the pick. Now, the pick was a little unfortunate because, of course, it came off of a, a receiver's hands. But 
there is clearly something rotten in the state of Denmark, as the Bard said uh, in Hamlet. But what what do you reckon it is? Is it a lot of people were talking about the c word communication? You as a quarterback would be able to to translate what that really means. W- what do you mean? There's a lack of communication. What guys aren't hearing the play in the huddle, or is it the unspoken communication that happens between a quarterback and a wide receiver? maybe after the snap, where does communication, how does communication actually enter the frame on an NFL well, field? Yeah, you saw it on Chris Olave's too. Like down the field, yes. thought he was going to run and just threw it out of bounds. And he, that, that was the one that he was like visibly upset. And the Saints will boot it away and Carr. Uh, he's Very upset. unhappy. Uh, he's upset with Derek. I mean, he's upset with Olave, but he's got to run. And the other part of it is the ball's uncatchable. I mean, I don't know if you throw it out of bounds because he didn't think. I mean, but he stopped it. He's stopping on the route. And look, that offense, I, I was in it for seven years of my 14-year career. There is a lot of communication needed. And so when a new guy, especially a new quarterback, comes in, he's probably got a different way of thinking about things and going through things than Pete Carmichael, who's been there since Sean Payton was in 2006. Correct. Maybe he does it. So, so first of all, I want to see them get on the same page, okay? Because Derek has all the skills in the world. I think he's if, – if he's playing and behind an offensive line and behind receivers, like I think he's a top 15 type quarterback. Like the dude is – like I like him. I, I like watching him play. And you saw on a couple drives that that three play scoring drive 55 yards boom 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 i'm like the aggressiveness yeah. is wasn't carved there early up, made in the it year. look easy carved him up made it look easy and and that's what you want to see out of this offense and i saw a stat the other day i'm not exactly sure but it was something uh, along the lines of how static this offense has been usually it's a very heavy shift motion different personnel offense i think they're 31st in the league and using pre-snap pre-snap motions and shifts and it Correct. just helps soften things up a little bit and you saw on that one drive it's like hey they had the most success in two minute drill they just went up tempo two minute drill let's just roll not even think about it let's just do what we know and you know there's a 10 play menu of two minute drives so that was really good to see and then and also like the forgotten piece here of that Saints offense which made them pretty dynamic the last few years was Taysom Hill Okay, Taysom did end up scoring on the fourth and goal, but I'd like to see more touches with him in the game, some more uh, design. Like I don't know, it just it just He's looks such a, a little change static. up to a defense that you have to you have to sort of look differently at what you're about to face or anticipate differently what you could face. But I want to hold your feet to the fire on the communication issue because specifically the Olave play that you mentioned and the Camara play that we all saw. Help me understand what that means because in the huddle, Derek's calling the play. So Alave, in theory, knows what the play is. Kamara, on his moment, knows what the play is. Is there communication after the huddle breaks? Is the what, what kind of communication are you talking about? Those two plays right there, uh, it, in my opinion, are not communication. It is two guys that just ran the wrong routes. Okay, and and you saw on the replay where Derek Carr was supposed to throw a nine stop, a nine yard hitch route. Okay, to to Alvin Kamara, to Alvin Kamara. and he just ended up running. He Correct. probably thought he had a clear out to me. And you saw Alvin's Alvin's like went up to him on the bench, like, hey, patted his chest, like, that's me, that's me. So of course you're going to be upset because when you're not doing well offensively, every single play feels like it needs to be the play to get into the end zone or to do something to get out of this slump that they've been in. And then a lot of he just wasn't running. He just wasn't running. I mean, that that's not communication. That's just lack of effort on his part. Look, he's the best receiver. I get it. But look, when Derek needs a play, he was going to him. 
All right, and he's going to Kamara. Kamara had 29 touches last night. He had a ton of ton of touches. That's their that's their two guys on offense that need to get the ball. And to me, those two weren't communication. It was just simply running the wrong route or loafing. Saints fall to three and four. Next game in week eight on the road to take on the Colts. Jags improve to five and two. Their next game on the road to take on the Steelers. Maybe the communication that really needs to happen there is maybe Derek, if I'm being brutally honest, needs to take the histrionics off camera. Yeah. Right. Save it for behind closed doors. Save it for the locker room, because I really don't like it when quarterbacks especially sell out, I think is the phrase that springs to mind. Their players as if somehow you're the problem, not me. I just don't like the optics of that. And I don't like the messaging in that. So maybe the communication needs to be better, more focused, more intentional behind closed doors so that when they go out there in week eight and take on the Colts, they can be on the same page. I fully expect them to be. All is not lost here for a Saints team that has struggled as badly as they have struggled, oddly, at home. There's, they're 3-4 and four in a very winnable division. It doesn't get any less winnable because of what happened last night. No, and then that's what you want. I mean, you got, you got you know three days off to fix, like, like just say, hey, let's step away from some things. A mini-buy has always been good for teams I've been on that have been struggling or even have been good that needs to get people back healthy. I think they're on that, that bottom end of things. Hey, they're struggling a little bit. They're doing fine on defense. I thought their defense played actually really well last night, even though giving up 31, which might be more of a uh, precursor to how good the Jack offense is um however uh, on 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 offense you got to go back and and i'm sure pete uh, carmichael is doing it you got to go back and just sit down with with derek and be like hey man what do you want to do like how do you feel like we need to attack let's get on the same page here let's move forward and like you said very winnable division um so i would not be freaking out whatsoever uh if i were if i were saints fans although they they did i mean when when it was 24 9 i thought about turning it off and i was like that's my job to watch actually and then it got really fun it did and then it got really fun they scored 15 and i'm like oh my gosh they might have a chance to win guys in the chair uh, in your position years past have always talked about new orleans being one of the trickier places to play as a visitor as mm-hmm. an opponent what is it about it look we know this is hallowed ground chase daniel is it haunted what is it it's the community aspect it of is. new orleans it is man they are they are they are some of the best fans that i've been a part of um in, in terms of a team i was there five years and the dome field advantage dome field advantage is real down there and they take it serious because look there's not any other pro sports what, down it's there just louder Pelicans. it's louder and these people in new orleans they like to party now yeah they do okay so they'll get up early even outfits, if it's a one o'clock the joy they'll they'll be taking back some adult beverages and if you don't want them at a night game there because they are nice and liquored up a little bit so they are ready <laughs> to roll and that is real and then and all of a sudden you'll you'll look into the the crowd and you'll see a halo outfit and you'll be like I like that guy. You know, it's just that type of weirdness, but it's also like brings people together. The, the fans love it. The people love it. The players love it. The coaches love it. So it, there is something special about, about the Superdome. Last word on this game, Chase Daniel. We've gone too long as it is. Do you know where the Big Easy comes from? Where? No, no clue. Okay, there's no shame in that. I didn't know either. It's a nickname with an origin story that no one seems to be able to agree upon. One theory credits a 1911 dance hall called the Big Easy Hall. But that was located five miles from the French Quarter, across the river in a little town called Gretna. You know where Gretna is. Another popular theory credits the relaxed enforcement or non-enforcement of alcohol regulations during Prohibition, which of course lasted from 1920 to 1933. No one really knows. All we know now is that this used to be a tougher place for Saints opponents to thrive. Get it together, New Orleans. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. We interrupt this podcast to bring you fantasy advice for week seven from our resident fantasy phenom, Adam Rank. Rankster, take it away. Hey, everybody. Adam Rank here. And we'll start with that Dolphins and Eagles contest. Start pretty much everybody. I do want to let you know, Jalen Waddell has had a receiving touchdown in two consecutive games. Chargers, Chiefs, Rasheed Rice leads all Kansas City wide receivers, wide receivers in fantasy points in five of the last six games, but he has played just 38% of the snaps. Isaiah Pacheco, great to go here. Jameer Gibbs could be the running back for the Detroit Lions. We're still waiting word on David Montgomery. We hope he gets a lot of targets. He has not been that great. We've wanted huge things out of Jameer Gibbs, but there is an opportunity, even though it's the Baltimore Ravens. I think when you look at Jameer Gibbs, 16 targets over the last three games, he's a pretty safe start for me. Steelers, Rams, you know what? George Pickens, three end zone targets over the last two games. That's tied for the fifth most in the NFL. He's had at least 22 fantasy points in two of his last four. The Rams have allowed the fifth most targets to wide receivers over the last four games. All right, let's take a look at players that we feel pretty good about. Bills, Patriots, James Cook has 93 fantasy opportunities this season. The next closest, Bills running back, 39. And he has the third most receiving yards on the team. He was frustrating the other night, but we continue to start him. Packers at Broncos. Christian Watson has had at least 10 fantasy points in each of the two games he's played this season. And of course, Aaron Jones is a great start in this one. Cardinals at Eagles. Marquise Hollywood Brown has at least 16 fantasy points in four of his last five games. He leads the team in targets, receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns this season. He is one of five players with 700-plus air yards this season. Raiders, Bears, Devontae Adams has been chirping a little bit. He has 14 red zone targets this season. Listen, Giants, Commanders, play both defenses. You can stream either one of them. I would prefer the Giants. Excuse me, I would prefer the Commanders. Sorry, Andrew. Falcons, Buccaneers, Kyle Pitts is the tight end four over the last two weeks. He's had at least 14 fantasy points in back-to-back games. Is he back? I will say this as well. If you need to stream a quarterback this week, and I know a lot of you are sitting here in Biomageddon, looking for a quarterback to pick up, why not Sam Hell? He's had at least 18 fantasy points in four of his last five games. And one player that I really, really love, really love this week, is Michael Mayer of the Las Vegas Raiders. This is a player that has started to get more snaps this season. He's got a great matchup against the Chicago Bears. So get Michael Mayer into your lineups. That's it for me. Enjoy the weekend and good luck. 
We interrupt this interruption to get something from Chase Daniel that he said earlier today in our pre-production meeting. You had a message for, not necessarily for Mike Tomlin, but you have a message for Matt Canada and the Steelers' offense. And that message was in very loud neon letters, if it was possible, do something different what did you mean? What would you like to see from them when they take on the Rams across the street at SoFi in Week 7? Throw the ball to George Pickens. He needs to have 12 to 15 targets. He is their best player. Now they're getting Deontay Johnson back. Okay, but move the pocket. Get Kenny Pickett comfortable with what he is doing. You have two years of film on what he wants to do. Is he healthy? I don't know. How's the knee? I don't know. I think it's good, but you don't know for sure, for a fact, okay? Like, you got to be able to do something. You know, the stat is they haven't had a 400-yard game in, like, the last 37 games, which is up absurd to me. You have the skill players and the running back to be able to do that. Luckily, your defense is all world, but just do something. And by do something, I mean throw the ball to George Pickens. We interrupt this interruption of this interruption to bring you one last thing from Chase Daniel, which is a message to the Chargers. This was the team with which you finished your career, a team that is embattled in the public sphere, in the public space. Brandon Staley considered reckless by some, considered a genius by others. Justin Herbert considered a disappointment by so many, especially when you consider how big his bank balance is right now. And yet, this is a team that always plays the Chiefs well. And they have a guy on the backside of their defense, one Derwin James, who always seems to match up well against Travis Kelsey, which, if you're going to beat the Chiefs, that's certainly something that you have to address, if not perfect. Do you like your Chargers' chances against your Chiefs? You know, it's, it's, the, it's the Chase Daniel Bowl. Let's be honest. This is the Chase Daniel Bowl. I'm not going to ask you who wins it. I want you to give your Chargers the the pep talk they need after such a difficult week six, how can they right the wrongs in week seven? If I'm the Chargers, I feel good about how I played Dallas and played that defense, okay? But going into the Chiefs, you're facing a more difficult defense. It's the second-ranked defense in the entire National Football League, and rightfully so. To me, Chargers, you got to keep it low scoring. The game has to be below 40 points on the over-under. It has to hit the under for you to have a chance to win and succeed. Look, Mahomes is 4-1 against Herbert in the five games played, but all five of those games have come down to a one-possession game. So you're always in it. You match up well with them. Put Derwin on Kelsey. And the other end of the spectrum, play good defense. And that's how you keep it low scoring. And it's how it's just so happens that Patrick Mahomes through the first six games of this year, lowest passer rating in the, in the, in his career through six seasons, lowest yards per game in six seasons, lowest touchdown percentage. And, and, and he's throwing the, he, it's just, you go on and on and on. I had Justin from research, look all this up. Okay. It's, it's the perfect storm. You got to play good on offense. Okay. You got to be able to put up points against that stifling chiefs defense. But if you play well enough on defense and continue to hold Patrick Mahomes down just enough, you got a chance to pull this one off. We saw Miles Garrett and the Browns provide us a blueprint on how to beat the Niners. I hope you're listening, Chargers Nation, because Chase Daniel has just given you a blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. 
and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Chase Daniel. And before we get to game picks and score predictions for every remaining Week 7 game, let's talk about, for me anyway, the best Week 7 game. At least it looks that way on paper. Sunday night in the city of brotherly shove, Dolphins, (laughs) Eagles. First question, hard one to answer. Sorry in advance. Which quarterback, Chase Daniel, do you trust more, Tua Tungavailoa or Jalen Hurts? Yeah, look, I went back and forth on this, and and, – I ended up I ended up picking both at one point, and I was like, ah, I can't really do that with the producers. They won't want that. But I, I ended up thinking about it more, and I went with Tua. Mm. And 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 the reason I went with Tua is pretty simple. Their offense, their offense is and looks to be unstoppable. It is on a rapid toward pace to be the best offense in the history of the National Football League. And that's okay? really saying something. And that's saying something. I don't I don't know if it's like it, like the difference between they're all, they're averaging like 2 yard like 498 yards a game. Okay, 497.8 whatever. Um and the next closest team is not even 400 yards. Like so so to me it's it, I can put a finer point wild. on that. When you look at the offensive team ranks, Scoring offense, Miami is number one in the NFL. Total offense, Miami is number one in the NFL. Passing yards, they're number one. And rushing yards, they're number one. Think about that. The total offense, listener, Miami is number one in the NFL. Philadelphia, their opponent on Sunday, is number two. Consider this, exactly what Chase Daniel was just intimating. Philly is more than 600 yards behind (laughs) Miami, and they're in second place. They are ranked second in the NFL. Such is the dominance that we have seen from this dizzying Dolphins team. Okay, so you went with Tua. I think for a lot of people, he's kind of the front runner for MVP, and that doesn't mean anything in week seven, but it speaks to the form that he is in. His completion percentage is 71.1. He's thrown for 1,876 yards, 14 touchdowns against only five interceptions. He has a passer rating of 114.1. But again, those are the stats. What is the Tua story so far through your lens this season? It's just how, how well he's mastered the offense. Okay, everyone can talk about these yards. And, not an easy and offense and to it, master. It's not an easy offense to master because me and Baldy were talking about it in a pre-production meeting, and we were just surprised because, I mean, he's played a lot of ball. I played a lot of ball. And there's a lot of experience between us. And when you actually look at what they're doing on tape, a lot of it doesn't make sense to me. And and I pride myself on knowing everything about the position of quarterback in offense because I've been around so many of them. And, and when I say it doesn't make sense, it's just like how I, I wonder to myself, how is he reading this certain concept? How would he is, read this play? Okay, but like also the play fake, the, 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 the sleight of hand, the sleight of hand with the ball, like, hey, it's one way, it's another way. I've never seen so many ball fakes in my life. And it's all to blitz the defense. It's all to put the defense in uh, like, hold on, we can't be as aggressive. We need to see how everything's going. The only question I have, and why I went with Tua, okay, instead of instead of Jalen, was because of how fast that Tua gets the ball out of his hands. Yes. Okay, so so he's not taking sacks like at all. Okay. And I don't necessarily think it's maybe how well that offensive line is playing. I think it's just him mastering the offense saying, hey, if it's open, I'm throwing it. Hey, I'm not holding the ball. I'm not taking negative plays. I'm not getting behind the sticks. And if it is, Tyreek, just run a go route on second and 20. We can throw it down the field. You know, that's a couple of these breakdowns that I'm having on cut to the chase. It's just like the, the amount of weapons that he 
has around them. I just think that they're on a different level. And that's something that actually Philly is really good at is getting to the quarterback. They have 110 pressures, the second most in the National Football League. I think that's going to be the storyline within the storyline of the game is how does Tua handle getting the ball out quickly versus that pass rush? When you talk about getting the ball out quickly, you have to be decisive and you have to be accurate, and he seems to be both of those things. On the other side of the field, Jalen Hurts is actually holding on to the ball. I think he ranks 31 out of 32 qualifying starting quarterbacks. He's holding on to the ball for three-plus seconds as an average. That strikes me as significant. Now, he is a player with great running ability, so when you kind of break it down, maybe that makes sense. But on the other hand, are you seeing a little bit of indecision from Jalen Hurts? He's thrown seven picks so far this year. Last year, he had six all yeah. season. Yeah, I, I, I just think that um, it, it looks like Jalen has I – mean, maybe defenses have figured him out. Maybe defenses have figured out that offense. But at the end of the day, they're still putting up – they're still putting up points. They're still the second-ranked offense in the league. So yes. it's, it's hard to say that from that perspective. And, you know, as one of our producers noted, is it recency bias because of the way they lost? Listen, two of the three picks that Jalen threw was not, were not on him. They were tipped. They were mismanaged. But I will tell you one thing, and something that is very behind, behind the holding of the ball three-plus seconds, is that offensive line is the best offensive line in football. Okay, and so when Lane Johnson, who is might not only be the best right tackle, he might be the best tackle in the National Football League. When he went out with a sprained ankle in the first quarter, it completely changed the game plan. They were able to get home. He felt off. He felt pressured. He felt uh, panicked. It just looked like he was not as comfortable. And so if you have to throw the ball two and a half seconds and you're used to holding on to the ball three seconds, that's a big deal. A half second for a quarterback is a big deal. And these routes downfield that they were running were not progressing. How do you, Chase, go through progressions on the on the subject of progressing? Because Tyreek Hill suggested to Baldy just not that long ago that there aren't really routes. They're just kind of going out. Now, on the one hand, do you believe that? On the other hand, do you see, technically speaking, a rhyme or reason to what Tua is doing as leader of this offense? Yeah, it's a great question, and it's the it's a $100 million question because that is what is making this offense go is – it's a little bit of backyard football. It's a little bit of mad genius from Mike McDaniel. It's a little bit of speed. And I would say it's a lot of, yeah, speed. A lot of speed. That's why he's able to get the ball out quicker because your receivers are getting down field at a faster rate than anyone in the National Football League. Okay. And they're able to stretch defenses, not only horizontal, but vertically as well. And so when you put all of that together, mixed with a very good running game, I think, I don't know, I need to check the stats. There's second or third in the National Football League. In number rushing. one at rushing offense. The, number one. I'm, I'm, I'm off. Number one. Number one. On top of that, what's a quarterback's special? friend a rushing offense so it's just it's it's so it's you asked the question it. earlier today where the hell do you go with the ball I always uh, you know as a 52 year old watching young people play video games I can't quite get it I don't understand <laughs> how the connection between fingers and the joystick and all of the different variables and the buttons how they can make it work in real time it's that confusing for me watching this Miami offense but I was almost glad to hear you a 14 year NFL veteran quarterback say where the hell does he go with the ball and how does he decide where to go with the ball do you have a guess it's cutting edge stuff honestly it just comes from it comes from uh, 
uh, Mike and Frank Smith. Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator, he was with us for two years in in uh, in L.A. when I was there, and he's got a mind too. Okay, that that offense, that run game is all Frank Smith. Don't don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted on that. So you should give him his flowers too. And it's just a perfect combination. I mean, it, it's it's really cool to just look back and see and just say, hey, like you viewer are witnessing history do not take it for granted okay now the question becomes on this sunday night football game are the eagles going to get the miami dolphins track team okay who is all world or are they going to get the the miami uh, dolphins team that played up in buffalo and laid an egg and when i say laid an egg got beat still put up a lot of points still put up the yards but if you look at that game it came a lot to the end so that's the big question mark here. When you go on the road, okay, from Miami, it might be chilly in, in Philly. It's it's 100 degrees in Miami right now. How are they going to handle all of the outside elements? And this will be a good test for them early in the season. Total defense seems significant when you look at the numbers. Philly, 12th in the NFL, Miami, 22nd. But even more to the point, rushing defense. Philly has the second-ranked rushing defense mm. in the NFL. Miami's scoring defense is 26th. Total defense, as I mentioned, 22nd. Passing defense, 22nd. Rushing defense, 20th. So Miami, while they have Vic Fangio and a roster that suggests they could be one of the better top half, top 10 defenses in the NFL, as it stands right now, they very simply aren't Philly is does that do you think give them the edge on a night like this one correlation it's going to be a hell of a game and it's going to be a hell of a high scoring football game if you like offense tune in I'm excited this is I mean you said it earlier this might be the best matchup it is the best matchup of the weekend quite honestly might be the best matchup of the year so far you are listening to NFL Total Access the podcast I'm your host NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy and we have come to the picks portion of the pod every remaining week seven game winners picked scores thrown in for free from our picks experts mike yam and of course today's special guest chase daniel let's get this thing started with lions ravens the baltimore ravens are the home team and they are the favorite favored by three the total number for this game is 43 and a half now the lions are five and one the winners of four straight games and they lead the nfc north the ravens are four and two they lead the afc north this is a fascinating encounter who has the edge well mike yam says the ravens the home team will win this one by four 31 27 Chase Daniel doesn't agree. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel says the Lions, the 5-1 and one Lions, the upstart Lions, the NFC North leading Lions will win this one by a touchdown. Yes, in Baltimore, 27-20. Browns Colts. Cleveland Browns, the road favorite. Three is the spread. 41 and a half is the total. Now the Browns are three and two after that stunning win over the previously unbeaten San Francisco 49ers. The Colts even three and three after taking that big loss in week six to the Jags. Now Deshaun Watson remains questionable, but neither Chase nor Mike have any questions about who wins it. Mike Yam says the Browns win it 23-21. Chase Daniel agrees the Browns win it by a lot, 24-10. Commanders Giants. The Washington Commanders, a three-point favorites at MetLife Stadium, the total 37 and a half. Commanders coming off that win on the road versus the Falcons. The Giants lost their fourth straight game. 
They are 1-5. But do not forget, they showed us some serious heart in that loss to the Bills, and Mike Yam thinks it matters. Daniel Jones, by the way, is questionable, which suggests that he's been cleared to play, but he's not been cleared for contact. Riddle me that. Mike Yam isn't worried. Sound the upset alert. Yammer says that his Giants win 24-23. Chase Daniel says the chalk wins. The Commanders win by the same score, 24-23. Raiders Bears. Las Vegas Raiders, the road favorite. There's a theme this week. Minus two and a half is the line. The total, 37 and a half. Now for the Bears, Justin Fields is out. Taylor Bajan is in. For the Raiders, Jimmy Garoppolo is out. And either Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell will be in. For this show, well, the picks are in, and they reflect the standard metric that when two bad NFL teams play, the home team is the safer call. Mike Yam says the Raiders do win it 2017. Chase Daniel says the Raiders win it 24-17. Bills Patriots. Buffalo Bills, this is the biggest spread of the week, minus eight and a half. 40 and a half is the total number for this game. Ed Oliver is out. As you already know, Matt Milano out for the year. Tredavious White out for the year. Does that make them vulnerable? Well, yes, but just not against this Patriots team, so says our guys. Mike Yam says the Bills win it 28-14. Chase Daniel says the Bills win it 28-13. Falcons Buccaneers. Buccaneers a home favorite by two and a half. The total for this game is 37 and a half. Now, both of these teams coming off of week six losses. Bucks' hopes of getting back in the win column may rely heavily on their ability to get back in the end zone. Don't forget they were kept out of the paint in week six. Desmond Ritter had three picks in week six, and he doesn't get the pick in week seven. Not from Mike Yam, anyway, who says the home team, the Bucks, do win this one 28 21. Chase Daniel doesn't agree. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel's final score Falcons 23, Bucks 17. Steelers Rams. The LA Rams will take on the Steelers across the street and they will do so as the favorite by three. The total in this game 43 and a half. Injury note Rams running back Kyron Williams is out. Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth is out yet again. Now, don't forget, the Steelers are getting back Deontay Johnson, back from that hamstring issue that he got, I believe, in the first week of the season. Mike Yam says the home team takes it 27-20. Chase Daniel doesn't agree. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel says the Steelers, with that defense, will stifle the Rams and win this one by 7, 23-16. Cardinals Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks, the home favorite by seven and a half, the total 44 and a half. Now, note, Kyler Murray is practicing again, not playing, but he is practicing again, so keep an eye on that. Joshua Dobbs is looking the part, just not cast in the role of winner this week, not by our guys. Mike Yam says the Seahawks win it at home 24-17. Chase Daniel agrees the Seahawks win it by more, 30-17. Chargers Chiefs. Well, you heard Chase Daniel talk about this game. The Kansas City Chiefs are home favorites in this one by five and a half. The total is 47 and a half. Now, the matchup to watch in this one may just be Derwin James versus Travis Kelsey. According to our friends at PFF, Derwin James has allowed the fewest receiving yards, 50, 
and yards per target, 4.2, and yards per reception, 7.1, by any player as the primary defender in coverage against Travis Kelsey in his career. Minimum 10 targets. Now, according to PFF, James has also allowed the fewest receiving yards, yards per target, and yards per reception in primary coverage against all tight ends amongst all players targeted 50 or more times against tight ends since 2018. Bit of a mouthful, but as you can hear, Derwin James is really good against tight ends, and he happens to have a pretty good history against Travis Kelsey, and that seems to be the way to beat the Chiefs, and yet Mike Yam and Chase Daniel says they won't. Mike Yam says the Chiefs win it 30-28. Chase Daniel says the Chiefs win it 27-24. Packers Broncos. Green Bay goes into mile high as a road favorite by one and a half. The total in this game is 45. The Packers are two and three. The Broncos are one and five. Now you might say that that means that they are due. Well, not according to Mike Yam, who says the chalk has it. Packers win it 23-20. Chase Daniels says the Broncos are due. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniels final score, Broncos 23, Packers 20. Let's turn now to the Sunday night football game that we have spent so much time talking about. It's the Dolphins-Eagles. Philly the home favorite at two and a half. The over is the highest total number for week seven, 51 and a half. Experts expecting a shootout. Now we talked about it and in talking about it, we heard very little but glowing reviews about this Miami offense. And yet you heard Chase Daniel equivocate just that little bit at the end of his analysis. Eagles availability worries less worrisome now in light of the news that Lane Johnson and Darius Slay and Jalen Carter are off the injury report and expected to play. And that is all our guys needed to hear. Mikey M says the Eagles win it 34-30. Chase Daniel says the Eagles win it 34-31. And the final act of Week 7 drama, of course, Monday night football between 49ers Vikings. San Francisco, the road favorite by 7. That is a huge road number. The total for this game is 44. Now, as we all know, Justin Jefferson is on the IR. The Niners are on the rebound. Our guys say they will rebound. Mike Yam says the 49ers take it by a touchdown, 28-21. Chase Daniel says the spread will be 13 in the end. 49ers win it 30-17. I want to thank today's very special guest, Chase Daniel. Thank you so much, Guy Friday. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. A special shout-out, too, to Adam Rank. Thank you so much for your fantasy advice this week, Adam. And I want to invite the listener to join us next week, Tuesday, to be exact, when we will recap the biggest winners and losers of Week 7. And we'll take a first look ahead to the matchups to watch in Week 8. David Carr will be the man in the chair, and I have some tough questions to ask him about the Saints and Lil Bro Derek. Can't wait to hear what he has to say about that. Now, till then, good luck to your NFL team this week and your fantasy team, too, this week. You know, as long as you ain't playing mine. Till next time, ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.